This is Billionaires in Boxes, empowering one billion entrepreneurs, one podcast at a time. Hello, everyone. I'm Travis Fox. Join us at architecting360.com. And you're listening to Billionaires in Boxers, where you're going to learn all the skills to become the great entrepreneur you always knew you could be, but also bring heart and passion to the equation. And better yet, you're going to learn to be a billionaire and hang out in your boxers. Check it out. They're coming up right now. Hey, guys. Welcome to another BIB podcast. My name is Partha Srinivasan, and I have Phil with me today. Hi, Phil. How are you feeling? Hello. I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, so we're actually testing out a new system. Uh, it's called Squadcast, and uh, we've, we're moving over, moving things over from Zoom. So it's a little finicky even for us. I'm, I'm trying to get used to seeing me on the left side of the screen, then on the right or in the small corner. It's it's a little, it's doing my head in a little bit, but we'll get used to that eventually. Uh, but the point of this is we're going to testing. Uh, we're testing out a few different systems because we have a very cool new product that we're actually launching for our customers. Uh, so as you know, BIB started off as a podcast, which became a TV show. And, and then uh, Phil and I got together because uh, he was talking about empowering a, a billion entrepreneurs around the world, uh, which became, uh, which basically was through a course that we have on our website called Bump which is basically billionaires and boxers understand monetizing podcasts. But then something changed. And <laughs> what was that, Phil? What changed? <laughs> I think um, we've been told for about six or seven years, like people, we've been mentioning people to do this and it's now worked in like 50 different sectors, 50 different locations. So I was really pleased with this. I still am really pleased with this, but one of the bits of feedback we were always given was, oh, it's, it's dead easy for you because you've got a team of people behind you. Like if I, you know, I haven't got time to do this all myself. I don't want to have to learn how to do this. And I even had somebody say to me, I said, well, you can just go and get somebody to edit it for you on Fiverr. And he was like, yeah, but I don't know what I'm looking for. So I also don't know what to avoid. And it was like, okay, it's a valid point. I see where you're coming from. And the amount of times that we were asked for a done for you service, I'd lost count. So in the end, I just kind of said, okay, so in essence, if we did a complete done-for-you service, right, where we go and get you guested on other people's shows to boost your credibility, we work with you to create your hit list of the clients that you want to work with and then go about inviting them on the show, our booking team will do that for you. And essentially, all you have to do is turn up at the times and places on the link that we give you with the person, gets recorded, we record it, it gets edited, put into a media pack, and either sent out to you directly or to your marketing team to have some fun. And then you're always hearing content is king. This provides plenty of it. Um, and everyone was like, yeah, that's exactly what we want. So it was like, okay, that's fine. Um, but then we kind of had to reverse engineer that a little bit and say, well, actually, how many people do we have capacity to do that for in any given month? You know, um, how capacity many- Capacity is a problem, right? I mean, capacity is a yeah, huge issue for us. Of course it is, because the thing is, we've 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 grown this over the last. So I've been doing this for ten years. I've been mentoring it for for five or six years now. Uh, quality comes first, and reputation you know reputation takes a long time to build and a few minutes to lose. So we've been doing a lot of stuff in the background before we were prepared to talk about this. We wanted to get the first few people out the first three months. Now, what's been interesting about that is many people for many people that part fell during coronavirus lockdown, um, and. Uh, it fell during the coronavirus lockdown, which meant that it was like the weirdest time to be trying to try out new ideas. But as I said, it was really interesting because it was working for people during the most difficult period. So I was getting two types of calls during this period. I was getting the 
thank God that we did this and it's working for us. And I've actually had a couple now that have called me and said that their competitors have called in the liquidators and administrators. Meanwhile, they're having their same strength or even slightly better quarter on quarter, uh, according to last year's tally. So uh, that's because they have evergreen content out there. So if, you're, if your marketing strategy is one that runs and is fueled by content, during a period like this when everyone was sat at home and needing to engage with more content, you won. Meanwhile, if your business is very outbound, on the phone, go meet people, go to this event, go to networking things, yeah, you found yourself in a great deal of pain if you hadn't figured out that podcasting was a good way to do this. Um, which brings me on to the second type of call. Uh, Phil, is it too late to start a podcast? <laughs> I've had that quite a lot recently as well. Uh, no, it's not. But it's like anything. I, I talk about grabbing your slice of the digital real estate, okay? So imagine like your marketplace online being a field, okay? Well, at some point, someone's going to come and buy up that field and start building on it, and there's not going to be that much space left for you to put your little tent up and say, hey, here's my little shop. However, if you go out there and you steal a march on that using a podcast, for example, and you become the first two pages of Google, both you on other people's shows and t- top experts on your show, you you win. You become number one. You become the most credible, and you've now been the person who's taken that digital real estate field and firmly planked your flag straight in the middle of it and said, this is mine. Who's coming to take it from me? Well, so this also uh, begs the question one more thing is that, um, we've, like you said, you've been doing this for about a decade. I've been doing this for close to a decade as well. I've been podcasting for as long as well. I've been doing it more from a hobby perspective. I'd say that I've, I've been following the, the tenets of actually monetizing a podcast for about a year now myself, right? And I, yep. it's worked beautifully for me, which is one of the reasons that we are out here talking about it because guess what? It works. Uh, yeah, yeah, precisely. And when we talk to clients about it, and we t- when I talk to my network and I say that, you know, I monetize fairly effortlessly because at the end of the day, uh, most people associate podcasting as only advertising, but it goes a lot more beyond that. Because, obviously. It goes a lot deeper. There's that. a lot deeper than that. I mean, for me, uh, as long as I'm able to find business or as long as I'm able to find a right network, I mean, what is monetization for me is, is different for what is monetization for you. I mean, not you and me, but I'm just saying that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, well, the thing is, you can do whatever you want with this. And this is this is what I think a lot of people don't understand is that they, they try and make it too complicated. I mean, there's a reason that, PwC say that advertising and sponsorship is like a billion dollar industry just in the States, but 80% of podcasters don't make any money. I mean, they're two incredible stats. Now, let me tell you the reason why that is. They try and overcomplicate it, okay? The reality is that I can make money using a podcast just making a list of my top 100 clients that I want to work with and inviting the CEO of each of those companies onto a podcast, a strategy I have and still continue to use because it works really well. Um, you could take the line of, you know, you want to affiliate with people. You don't want to have a product. You want to link with like-minded people and have a percentage of their pie. And you just want to focus on creating fun and engaging content with people that listeners will engage with so that you can sell them the affiliates. Then it's the same thing for sponsors and advertisers. Great. You've got an audience. Who is it you're speaking to? Who would be interested in speaking to that audience? Um, But I always bring it back down to the simple thing. It's like growing a flower, right? You need sunlight and you need water. Water on this occasion is value add. Who's going to be the person to add value to your audience, okay? The sunlight in this occasion is the audience. Who already has that audience that you could combine those two people together, create an amazing piece of content with them, and everybody is a winner. I mean, and that's the joy of podcasting is that at the moment, you can still do that very organically and have a lot of success with it. The reality is that in, in four to five years' time, 
the podcasting market will not look like this. We've already started to see signs of what's to come. You know, Joe Rogan selling for a hundred million, and other people taking their their podcasting to a subscription based model only. I mean, I keep saying this to people. You know, don't miss out on an opportunity to claim an amazing piece of digital real estate for yourself. That actually, in two, three, four years time, you're gonna be having competitors who have fifty, hundred thousand listeners to a to a podcast. They're paying them to listen to them on a regular basis. They're engaging with their content. They're seeing them alongside all the experts. Are they gonna come to you to do business, or are they gonna do the person that they listen to hours and hours worth of content with? Um, and also it's the fact that a lot of people, I mean, in, if, even if even in our conversations with podcasters, we've realized, you know, that they are very limited in the way they approach guesting or, or, or even from a geographic perspective. And you should not do that to yourself. You, you need to look global, uh, globally, yeah. because the world is your oyster in this case. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it that people want to hear a more diverse opinion, not something that's only locally relevant. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I go about and I talk like on my podcast, I talk to different people from different industries because guess what? A single industry, you're going to get very jaded very quickly. But then if you talk across industries on this on the same topic or on or on a very similar topic, you obviously get a very diverse opinion. And all of these things matter, not just from a content perspective, but from a value-add perspective, like you mentioned. I always used to found that, that I could use the best of what was going on globally to my advantage locally and domestically. So I would go and guest on people's podcasts and then get asked to speak at events as a result that were around the world. But then I'd use that to win local clients to say, well, you know, I was recently over in Shanghai doing this thing. I've been over in Cape Town doing this thing. I'm over in the States doing this thing. You know, here's a podcast that I did with such and such an author, you know, and, and it's it's a powerful thing to be able to do and to be able to say, I'm not just recognized locally. Actually, I'm recognized internationally, you know, and, and I never saw the difference, right? I really didn't. Like, I know a lot of people have this whole thing about, you know, you know, oh, we're just servicing our local area at the moment, but we, we plan on growing and scaling and then eventually going global. And it's like, why didn't you just start with that in mind? Like, I never understood that. It's like, I, I want the best people in my team for the job, not the best people within 60 minutes drive of my office. I want to work with the best clients in the world, the ones who have the most exciting projects. Again, not just the most exciting people locally. Because what if there is nobody exciting locally? Well, there's only two people exciting locally. Must I limit my business based on that local market? Or is it not more prevalent for me to be able to go, actually, Singapore is where it's at. There's tons of really fun stuff happening in that market right now. I'm going to go and work with Singapore. Why not? Agreed. So, which brings us back to how podcasting is so very relevant because it's one of the proper uh, global uh, content mechanisms that's available out there. Uh, Let's touch a little bit about the fact that, you know, of the two delivery mechanisms that we have. So one is obviously the bump mm -hmm. course and one is the, DF, the, the done for you course, right? And they're essentially the same thing. It's just the way we approach the product, the way customers can actually use that product is very, very different. So let's talk a little bit about the course. Um, I mean, we've recorded we've recorded a little bit. Uh, we haven't actually completed the entire course yet. So we've got about two two weeks of material planned and ready, right? Yeah, we're always adding to it, which I think is the important thing. It's always having to evolve and having to grow based on what the market says. But I think the, the, the two, the best way to sum up the two is one is if you want me to teach you how to do it. One is if you just want me to do it. Yeah, but you end um, up learning on both cases, right, at the end of the day. Yeah, of course you do. But you still, you still get the results from both is more is the important thing. So 
you know, the amount of people actually, and, and I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, the amount of people that are saying, tell you what, let me do a three to six month contract for a done for you service and then do the mentorship of the other end of it. So it's like they'll get the benefit, they'll get the money back, they'll pay for the course. And then when they understand what it does a bit more, now they'll learn how to do it. And, and that's fine. Like each to their own. I fully respect that. Um, actually, it's probably the way I'd take it as well, if I was honest. Get some money in your back pocket, show what it does and, and then go for it. But it is literally me opening up my team and saying, you want the guys who book me on shows? There you go. You know, you want the people who go and find my guests and get them on my show? There they are. Um, you know, you want our editors, you want our jingles, you want us to, whatever this is, like everything that we do, which has managed to get us, as you said, from you know, podcast to radio, from radio to TV, from TV to movies and live events, has all come from, from podcasting. And we're showing you the same tools and techniques that we use. And the excuse of, well, I don't know how to do a podcast. I don't know how to record. I don't have the time. All of that is now completely gone because we're just doing it for you. You just turn up and record. And and the beauty of that is that in both cases, they're both immediately monetizable in the sense that you would literally be able to earn money from it uh, day off. Um, so, for example, if you do the six-week course with us uh, and we're adding new content, like Phil mentioned, we're adding new content regularly, Um is that you know at the end of the six weeks you'll have a podcast that is already monetized because you've already worked on it and you've built it to a level where you're actually going to be uh, you're going to either find a way to get, uh, get business out of it or something of that adds value to yourself. But when you do the done for you course, you're doing that entire six week process because we're doing it for you. You get that um, month one, week one, day one. Exactly just plugged in straight away and i think that's that's what makes it so powerful is you know i i always flip this because i always hear people say things like would this work for my industry and you know what if i run out of things to say so let me just rattle off a couple of the answers to those okay <laughs> if i was to put you in a room with 50 of your dream clients personally would you be worried that you'd run out of things to say would you be worried that you'd run out of things to ask them if the answer is no, then you're not going to do it on a podcast either. That's just a paradigm. It's a guardian. It's something that you're putting up there to go, I can't do this because. Well, the reality is if you if you can build relationships with these people and have conversations with these people, you can do a podcast with them. No problem whatsoever. Um, can I make money from a podcast? I don't know. Can you? I mean, I don't see why not. Everybody else does. I mean, it's essentially just using this as a tool to sit in front of the people who you want to partner with, sit in front of the people who you want to do business with, sit in front of the people with people who already have access to huge amounts of the perfect audience for you and do some real value add, reciprocal piece of content that everybody loves. They're sharing it with your network. They're sharing it with their network. Everybody's happy. Um, you can 110% do this in whatever speed you want. In fact, there's been a few guys now that have followed the, the TV approach, as, as I like to call it, which is the... You have to have kind of eight to ten episodes recorded before you release just in case there's something that comes up, um, you know, during the recording process, for example. Now, the reason that's such a powerful thing is if you've already spent 30, 45, 60 minutes, realistically, there or thereabouts with eight to ten of your dream clients, how many of those are you confident you will have closed? How many of those are you confident you'd have taken on to the next level? Because if the answer is more than you'd be paying for the done-for-you service or more than you'd be paying for the course, this is already an obvious decision. If it isn't, then I would highly recommend, and this isn't a criticism, it's a genuine thing, and as a business owner who had to learn to do this, stand by in what I've said, before you come and do this bit, 
make sure you're more confident with the clothes. Make sure you're more confident with how you're going to convert that person into a client. Because what I don't want you to do is make one of the mistakes that I made seven, eight years ago, which is just finding myself interviewing a load of people who were using it for free content, but never had any intention of becoming my client. <laughs> oh, that's, and it's that's, frustrating. No, it is actually, because even I did that for a fair amount of time myself. And it's, it's easy it, to it's, do. It's an, easy, it's an easy rabbit hole to go down because you're so in love with creating the content that you know your people are going to love that you don't really care that you're making money or you're doing anything well you are doing something worthwhile you're just not making money out of it exactly the beauty of the podcasting that and the way we do it is that we are actually helping you create great content and you know there's a very high chance you will make money out of it as well because yeah well, there's you, no you would be the first person not to um yeah. i mean if you, if you, if you want to you know, I often say this is like we've done I've done one refund in six years and it was to a person who didn't have the time and they went on to refer two more paying clients to me. So I think that kind of answers that story. Yeah. 50 different sectors, 50 different locations like we, we have yet. I keep saying the same thing. There may well be something that this doesn't work for. I just haven't found it yet. And so far, it's not been any of the ones that people have come to me and said, I love what you're doing, but it wouldn't work for my sector because wow. and then I go, oh, really? Well, watch this, you know. <laughs> and and just watch this person. Let's just have a chat with this person who runs a very similar organization. It's just been ranked on the Forbes top 100 list. And let's see whether they agree with you. Because I don't think they will. So let's talk a little bit about the industries that we have actually reached out to and the kind of amazing feedback that we've gotten. And so, oh, yeah, we have time. We have time. A lot. We have time. So let's start with the, the, the usual suspects, right? I mean, obviously, there's personality development and training, which is just, yep. oh, my God. The Coaches, kind of, authors, trainers. Yep. Yeah, those are the kind of people that just are gagging. They're, they're frothing at the mouth to get started on podcasting because guess what? There's a huge market out there for people who want to learn more and, you know, self-DIY and all of that. The self-development all, all of those hashtags. Huge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, personal development is a huge market for us. And I guess... One of the things that really surprised me was it doesn't didn't matter whether this is somebody from like the secret movie that reached 500 million people or whether this is a local coach in South Africa. They're all struggling with the same thing, which is peaks and troughs in their career. It's the roller coaster of a business. It's the you appear on stage, you write a book, you're suddenly on a high. And then for the next six months, it's straight down again. Mm. Whereas what we've been able to do with podcasting is ensure that that actually remains at a consistent level because you're regularly having conversations with people. You're regularly putting yourself out there. You're getting more speaking engagements events because you're engaging with people. I mean, it sounds so simple when you say it, but I got booked on the biggest stage in the world because I knew that they were trying to sell tickets to an event. So I invited the event director onto a podcast to sell tickets. I mean, it's not difficult, is it? It's kind of like saying, I got tickets to the Champions League final because the man who had the tickets was on fire. So I put him out and, um, and he gave me tickets. That's not what happened, by the way. But it's it, it, it's that it, it it's makes that much sense, that. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He needed to sell tickets. I had a platform that he could sell tickets. We got on like a house on fire, and he organically asked me to come and speak at that event. That event resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business won, relationships with uh, Hololens and Microsoft Asia, meeting people I never could have imagined we'd meet with, which then led on to other talks and other events, and including some. Uh, satellite news channels asking me for am i expert opinions on stuff that i know nothing about just because i spoke at some event <laughs> oh my god yeah you, you there's one story that you particularly love and i'm going to ask you about that is about the story of you going to china 
So China's an interesting story. For those of you that haven't already heard this story, China was an interesting one because it shows the power of, of podcasting, I think. Um, there was a marketing business in the UK and uh, they approached me and they said, listen, we've heard you on a sports podcast talking about VR uh, and we'd like to discuss some business opportunities with you. And I was like, I don't remember speaking about VR. <laughs> um, like, I don't know anything about VR. So I went back and listened to the sports podcast that they were referring to. And it, I did. I went on a massive rant. And essentially what I was saying was that somebody like me would never be able to get a ticket for the Super Bowl. Not not without pulling some serious strings, you know? True. Like, I'm not American. It's a very proud American event. Like, there are already too many people in that country that would sell their right arm to be at that event. Like, how am I going to get a ticket to it? So what I said was, if you just did a touchline camera and then two different cameras with a a, a rig on it, like a VR rig on it, uh, eight, 16 cameras, whatever, it doesn't really matter, and you just did a virtual reality seat and sold it for three quarters of the price that you would sell for a ticket to the actual event, you could make a fortune selling those tickets and, and people would feel like they're really there, like much more immersed. Like, actually, I could have a better seat than somebody who's in the stadium because I'm on the touchline watching the players. You're sat in the gods having paid like two grand to be there. So I'm in the comfort of my own home having a beer that isn't warm and didn't cost me $20. You know, it's, 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 it was phenomenal. So I had this whole talk and they said, well, look, we're trying to move into that market. We've been in marketing and advertising for a long, long time, 20, 30 years at this point, but we're now moving into VR. Would you come and kind of help us break into that space? So I was really excited by it. So I said, sure, you know, why not? Um, and my attitude has always been, well, the best way to get to know an industry is always to find out where all the movers and shakers are and go and talk to them. And it turns out that about nine to 12 weeks time from this point that I'd agreed to join, um, there was a massive event on called the Mobile World Congress. It was going to be in Shanghai that particular year. And it was huge. I mean, Apple speaking at this thing, Sony speaking at this thing, Microsoft speaking at this thing. Um, it was great. It was pretty cool. So I did exactly what I just said. I invited the guy who was selling tickets onto a podcast just so I could get to know him. I'll tell you what I really wanted from him. I wanted his mailing list. That's what I wanted. I, I did. I, I wanted his speaker's mailing list. That was what I really wanted. And I kind of planted the seed of why don't you send this to the speakers and then they can share out the podcast to sell more tickets as well with an attempt to try and then reverse engineer it and see who shared it so I could go and find the speakers. But in the end, he actually said, I really like you. We don't have enough people representing us from the UK. Would you like to come over and speak for us? And we'll, you know, we'll sort it all out. And I was like, yeah, man. He's like, well, look, we usually charge this, this, and this, but given what you're going to be talking about, we can sort you out with this hotel. We can sort this. We'll waive the charge. With come and he's like, we'll put you on the main stage. And I'm like, Main, main, main stage? So, yeah, main stage. <laughs> it's like, like 3,000 CEOs, execs of tech companies. It's like, it's where we're going to be doing the big panel discussion later on. It's where all the TV cameras are, so it's recorded. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh dear. A uh, bit off way more than I can chew here. Um, <laughs> typical Richard Branson. Say yes and, and figure, figure it out later. Think, yeah. Figure out how to get to it later. Then what I did was I knew I kind of had six weeks before I needed to get the presentation submitted and over, okay? So there were two things simultaneously I did at this point. Number one, I rang the British International Office for Trade, and I said, how long does it usually take to get uh, funding for tickets and stuff? And they were like, months. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So I was like, well, I, okay, I don't, I don't have months. I have weeks at most. And I was like, here's where I'm going. Here's what I've been asked to do. And we sent it over. Later that day, amazing lady uh, from Manchester who was heading up that department, she rang me and said, I have the card in my hand. We don't have enough people representing us over there. If you can say thank you to us during your talk for helping you get over there, I can book your flights for you now. And I was like, okay, so the British government are going to pay for me to go. I'm getting paid to speak, and then I'm getting paid and fees waived to be there. It's not bad for someone that knows nothing about VR. Um, this was by the by. Nobody even asked me did I know anything about VR at this point. Um, so, so I decided that the best thing to do was go and talk to people who knew about VR. So the next six weeks, I basically just went on a massive podcast crawl, either as many as I could get on or people that I could get on with me as humanly possible. And I was just asking them things like, what do you think of the current virtual reality market? You know, what would you like to see more of? What do you think they've got right so far? What do you think they've got wrong so far? Which headsets do you like and why? What do you think about the pricing models? I just had a whole discussion around, you know, if you're going to have a market research exercise with your customers, sit in front of them and say, so tell me what we can do to make this better. It was essentially that. But there were patterns forming in what people were saying, mainly that it, the headsets needed to be more affordable and there needed to be more gamification of VR before you could start to sell to it, which made perfect sense. So I rock up in China, <laughs> as you do. Um, I've got massive imposter syndrome just before I'm about to walk on this stage, thinking, what am I doing here? Um, and I walked out and I did this presentation, and we did it sort of in terms of an animation, and we had uh, Chinese, Chinese subtitles put on as well. But essentially what I presented to them was the feedback that I'd been given from the market. It was, this is the work that we're doing at the moment, this is what the market is saying, and this is where I think it needs to go. Now, let me tell you two things that happened as a, other than getting money out of it, which was a fair amount of money came from that room. But let me two, tell you two things that happened that really sum up the power of this, okay? Um, number one, <laughs> we ended up, well, I say we. I ended up on the front of Tech Asia, right? It's a massive technology magazine. It is. It's we one of the largest. Who did a review on the three-day event, and I was I was like, the, I don't mean front page of the event. I mean front page. Phil Pelucha summed it up best when he said, "Virtual reality must leave customers submerged in an experience that leaves them wanting more." Right, and then it was a big picture of fat me, like twenty kilograms heavier than I am now, on this stage in China, and uh, yeah, I got this write-up, and I was like, "This is madness! Like, how did this happen?" Um, but by literally giving them the feedback that their market was already trying to tell them. No, they were gagging now, the for that information anyway. They were desperate for that information. And I think that so so often that's the disconnect, isn't it? It's companies of all different shapes and sizes are so busy trying to sell to our customers what we think they need. And what our customers actually buy is what the customer thinks they want. <laughs> so we've, we've got the calculation completely wrong. And actually, in reality, yes, we might know better, but... They don't want you to know better. They want you to sell them what they think they want. So ask them what they want and sell it to them. I mean, business really doesn't need to be any more difficult than that. Hence why we now have a done-for-you service. Phil, this is amazing. Can you just do it for me? Yeah, do you know what? Yes. Yes, we can. There we go. Problem solved. <laughs> um, now, let me tell you the second thing that happened from it because it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting part of the story. So I'm on my way off the stage. Now, the step's in the middle to get down, and I've got to now go and sit on this kind of speaker's bit where I was before, kind of in the middle of everybody. So I'm coming off this stage, and I'm not, I wouldn't say I was confident, but I was, I was 
less scared than I had been when I'd started it. I mean, I was kind of like, that that didn't go that bad. Like, it was okay. Like, I got an applause. I got some laughs. Like, it's okay. Um, so, anyway, I'm coming down the stairs, and this great big massive guy just comes beaming towards me. And I'm genuinely, my first thought was, I'm going to get chucked out by security and this is going to be really embarrassing because how am I ever going to live down that I've just been chucked out by security for doing a terrible presentation in front of 3,000 tech execs. <laughs> I'm never going to live this down. Um, and he walks up to me and he slaps my hand and shakes my hand. And he puts a business card in my hand and he says, we've not met, but we should do more work together. I like what you're saying. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. He pats me on the arm with the other arm, nearly sends me flying because he's massive. And then he walks off. So I'm kind of in a bit of shock at this point. I'm going down to my seat and I'm like, how did that guy get past security? Like, who is this man? Like, what? Anyway, by the way, so I sit down and look at the business card and he's the senior vice president for Microsoft Asia. He's literally the guy who was over in Israel. Uh, Bill Gates handpicked him to go over to Asia to whip it into shape, including things like the HoloLens project, which I had just stood on stage and said, the reason it's not working is this, 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 and this. Um, and it was like, like, it was literally that ballsy. It was like, okay, the reason people don't want to spend this amount of money is that you can't do this or this with it. If you design that, then people would buy it. And it was like, great, I need to talk to that guy. <laughs> so... I, I suddenly became this authority in virtual reality. To this day, I still couldn't tell you that much about virtual reality. I understand the 360 wraps, and I understand the rigs, but I don't understand. I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't. I couldn't create you a piece of virtual reality, not without a team around me. Right. Um. I wouldn't have a clue where to start with the augmented reality integration. Um. So my my point is, like, I became known as the go-to guy to talk to about this stuff. But all I really knew was how to be the voice between the customer and the business. And I'd never realized quite how valuable that was as a skill. Um, but taking this all back, this all came back to podcasting. I ended up on the front cover of that tech magazine and winning all of those hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business because I had a conversation with somebody on a podcast, got invited, and everything went from there. Brit, do you have any idea how pleased the British government were with me? I'd never <laughs> been in a position well, let me tell you this, right? I'd never had any idea that they would like me. Like, I, I, where I grew up, like, I'm not sure they know there's not a civil war still on. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> the government aren't exactly very popular from where I'm from. Um, so oh, for them, for them to kind of send me personalised emails every couple of months to say, "Hey, Phil, there's an event going on in Bali. Do you want to go and speak on our behalf?" Or, "Hey, Phil, there's this thing happening in Romania." We don't have a UK representative for this. Would you like to go and talk about it? And it was like, well, now you're just offering to send me places. <laughs> just get me to go and talk on your behalf. And I did a couple of local. I did one in London and I did one in Manchester. And I ended up getting local press coverage for both. But because they'd sent me, it was things like, um, you know, the International Office for Trade, where, you know, sent two key speakers of theirs that they send internationally around the world to come and do this. And I'm thinking... I actually live 20 minutes away, which is why I agreed to do this talk. But okay, I mean, you can, <laughs> you guys can big me up as much as you want. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Uh, podcasting works. Uh, that's now actually that's not the end of the podcast. I was going to say that's the end of the podcast. It was not because we have a lot more to go, right? Obviously, we have a lot to cover. Um, 
it's it's just fantastic. I mean, the story, like you said, the power of podcasting. Like for me, it's it's as simple as uh, I have a digital agency, and we've been green despite the corona because of podcasting and the fact that I've actually been able to speak to people during it. It's very powerful. There are businesses that are blooming because of a digital revolution, and podcasting is literally at the peak. It's just that people haven't reached there or they haven't seen it. Because well, we've know. we've booked a global tour with seven locations, COVID permitting, for the end of this year, beginning of next, with the world's leading passive income coach, with some of the world's leading authors, with people who've been in the secret movie that reached five hundred million people. You know, we've done all of. We're now working with governments and two of the biggest oil companies in the world, and all of this has happened since COVID. Um, we were on one small TV network. We've now been signed up by three, and that goes across 30 million homes across Africa, all since the beginning of this period. So <laughs> I, I I don't know. I can't help somebody that says this doesn't work, right? I just can't. because We're also expanding like, that to India as well, by the way. So let's not well, forget the fact that we are actually working 100%. towards doing that in India as well. We're, we're talking to TV channels. We're talking to radio stations here to make sure that, you know, the same kind of content, if not better, uh, goes around uh, and that, again very locally relevant very locally sourced uh, we're I, i'm a big believer up. as you know of taking the best of international and combining with local as i said earlier and that's really kind of where all this comes from so you know there's no point me having being on tv in south africa and just interviewing the south african coaches that's pointless you know we need to be having panel discussions we need to be having multiple discussions with the expert in that from new zealand and bringing in that person from the states and bringing in that person from south america because I want to make sure that if we're doing something that we're combining the greatest minds in a room together to be able to, to fuse some great ideas. I mean, you'll have heard me say this a ton of times. You know, you put amazing people in a room together and amazing things happen. Our gift is just that we teach you how to use that room digitally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as part of the empowerment, actually, there's another thing that we're doing and the the radio station uh, that we've kind of spoken <laughs> to as well. Yeah. Oh my God, that would that, that that's a very very recent development, but it's so exciting because at the end of the day, that's literally what we signed them up for. Mm. So look, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of this then. So we'll, we'll give you more details on this one. It's all signed and boxed and delivered. We're just getting that sorted of in the next couple of days. But I was on a I was on a radio show, um, and it's a radio show that are built to share sort of inspirational stories, bits of advice, motivation with people actionable advice very similar to us they go out globally um the guy who runs it is you know former bbc lots of radio experience knows his stuff inside out and back to front and he's gone off and set this thing up so we were talking to him about content and i said what's your biggest problem and he said having content that's actually actionable and advice he said like it's great listening to somebody who had to cut their arm off with a pen knife during an avalanche that's a really inspirational story but it's not very actionable. Like how many people are going to find themselves in that position where they actually could use that advice? <laughs> Whereas having me on talking about how you monetize podcasting and having other people within the business on talking about how you do the next bit, that was actually tangible advice. It was, here's how we escape the rat race. Here's how we thrive during a period that other people were struggling. Here's how our businesses made it to the Forbes number 100 list while bigger competitors were going into administration. All true stories. So I was talking to him and he said, so that's my biggest issue is having that. So I told him about what we did from a podcast. Before the words had even left my mouth, he'd offered whether he could take all of those shows that we do, not just for us, but for everybody that we do the done for you service for as well, 
and share that out globally. So just to put that into perspective for you, we found you a top 100 list of your dream clients. We've gone and spoken to them and 50 of them have said yes to come on a show for you. You want to get an hour at least to build a relationship with 50 of the CEOs of your dream companies or whoever it is that you're trying to sell to within that business, right? That content is then recorded by us, edited by us, fully jingled by us, all that kind of stuff. We send over the media pack to your team so that they're ready to go to push that out and distribute it. It will air exclusively on a radio show that's about motivation and inspiration globally on a 12-hour track. So it will play once during the day for one hemisphere and another during the day for the other side of the world so that they can enjoy it as well. And then it gets released as a podcast by you and on our network pushing out across the further BIB network. I mean, we could not be making this thing any easier for you. It's like I, I'm, I'm actually getting rid of a lot of that initial momentum stuff, which is like not enough people know you or are sharing your stuff or are listening to your content or engaging with it. By plugging you in with the BIB network and the radio, you, you're already tapping into somebody else's audience. That audience already exists. We're just giving you the voice and the platform to make it work for you and your brand. Right. So... One of the crucial portions that we actually need to talk about are the DFI, the done-for-you service. We call it the DFI, so you, you'll have you'll, you'll get used to that eventually. Is that uh, uh, one of the biggest things? And we spoke about this at the start is the capacity. So we're literally focusing, yeah. uh, focusing on getting only a few number of people from very specific. Uh, Target, well, not target, it's, it's basically... We're pretty, we're pretty much choosing the people who we know it works best for. Um, because at the moment, I'd say it's kind of patchy. So we've got people who... I'll give you an example. We have like PR agencies, recruitment businesses, service businesses. We've got loads of them in the States, loads of those in Canada, quite a few in, in Australia, one or two in New Zealand, next to none in India because it's a new market some in Southern Africa, but nowhere else across Africa, and nobody yet represented for that space in the Middle East. So it makes sense that we go and fill those areas and say, right, here's one from the Middle East, and here's this area. If for no other reason, I mean, here's, an, here's one for you that you can obviously see the benefit of. If you're, if you're a business owner and you're sat listening to this, you know, if we've got the best, if we've got you and then the versions of you from all over the world, the great thing is we're going to then introduce you to each other, put you in a room together and say, great, who do you know? Which doors can you open? And honestly, I love just being on those calls just to watch the magic happen. I just sit back and watch them go, I know this person and you know them. Great, we could do this. And it's amazing because you, you're in the same space, but you're not competitors because you're working in different geographical areas. And I love it. I love it a lot. So um, there's those businesses. We're working with a number of music producers and record labels at the moment, which is pretty cool. Um, but I guess it makes perfect sense because they use it to push out their own artists, but they also use it to find and identify new talent. I mean, this is a great way of doing that. You don't have to gig crawl and go to all these CD clubs and bars to try and listen to somebody. No, just do it this way. Make them send you a demo tape and then do an interview with them. And talk to the them and actually share that music. Build a relationship with them, yeah. 100%. And the reality is, many of the occasions that we're seeing this is that they've actually had those clients signed up, those artists signed up, before the podcast is released. So now I know one of them, for example, he tends to put a bit of a jingle in beforehand to say, you know, this person's actually now working with us. They've signed up with, you know, Sony. Congratulations to them. Here's some of their material. Here's an interview I did with them eight weeks ago. Check it out. Right. So it's all, all very, very exciting. But the reason we mentioned that is because then there are two aspects to the capacity piece. So one is we're signing up only one per uh, type. So 
Phil mentioned PR agencies, just as an example, we're signing up one per region. So when we talk about a region, we're talking about New Zealand, Australia, we're talking about India, South Africa. When I include India and Middle East as one day area because it's actually, there's a lot of uh, overlap between the two. Uh, then there's South Africa, well, all of Africa. Uh, all of Africa. Europe and North America. And when we put these five together, what we're also going to be doing is we're going to network these five together as well. So they could feed off of each other. And this is literally 100%. the power of the BIB network that we're going to be pushing. So while we... And the other aspect, obviously, is that we don't want to go over capacity in trying to actually uh, process the entire done for you for all five of them. Because... Obviously, there's going to be an unfair advantage for each of these people who sign up for us because we're going to be boosting their marketing and business development. But I also, mm. and then the aspect of uh, you know we're doing it for all five in all five regions simultaneously. So it it kind of feeds off of each other in the sense that they'll be speaking to each other and they'll they'll help, but also they will all have a significant boost in that in their space in their region and. It, yeah, and I think that's a really important point because I was always looking for the things that made me stand out. I was looking for that next tool that gave me a competitive advantage over somebody else. And I think one of the problems that you find is usually when something's out there like that and it's being marketed, if you found it, it's being hammered to a load of your competitors as well. Um, and there's, I under, look, I understand why people do that. They have to sell what they have to sell. But the reality is that we can't handle any more than that certain amount of capacity. So I don't want to give it to two of the same type of business and then have another type of business miss out. I'd rather be exclusive and say, no, no, we're only working with a select number of clients. And then that way people love us. They love the service. They love what they're getting and we're everybody's best friend. You know, we talk about empowering a billion people. I am not going to get there by doing that all myself. I'm going to get there by empowering the empowerers and empowering other people. So there was a reason that there's the sectors that we work with are the ones that we do. They tend to be people who have a big impact on other people's lives, businesses, brands, voice. And that for us is really powerful. So it's it's not just about first come, first served, and here you go, put your money down. In fact, that doesn't even work. Because we cherry pick the people who work with us as well. Precisely. It's a come and tell us who you are. Let's make sure this resonates. Let's make sure this fits. And if it does, then we create fireworks together. If it doesn't, then I'm not saying that podcasting won't work for you. I'm just saying it's not going to work with us. Right. Uh, so the best way actually for you to figure out how we can work together is visit our website, billionairesandboxers.com. Uh, uh, there's a done for you tab up there. Go have a look at what we offer. Go have a look at the things that you you get as a part of working with us. Uh, there's a form at the end, fill it up and one of us will get in touch with you. Uh, we also have an email address that's hello at billionairesandboxers.com. So drop us an email. Let us know you know what your thoughts are. Uh, Phil, any passing comments? Any Any ending notes? Something that you want to leave them thinking about? Yeah, I always feel really arrogant when I say this, and I'm, and and you know me well enough to know that I'm I'm the opposite of arrogant. Um, it's such an obvious decision. Mm. Like this isn't even a difficult decision. The, de- <laughs> the decision is difficult for us. It's not a difficult decision for you because if we have ten of your type of business and we want to help you all, and we a we don't have capacity, and b we've now nailed our flag to the mast and said we're doing one. It's us that has the problem, not you. Because the reality is if you're already spending money on SEO, Facebook ads, uh, AdWords, anything, PPC, if you're spending money on trying to claim more of that digital real estate and you're not doing monetized podcasting as a great form of fueling that content, you might as well just go and set fire to a $20 in your wallet now and just see if it turns into more. Because I promise you it won't. Like You need to, everyone keeps saying to you, 
content is king. Content is king. How many times have you heard this? But then how many times have you sat there and thought, but what can I create? I don't just want to talk to camera. That's really awkward. Like, well, how do I create content? I'm not the selfie generation. I don't want to be doing Instagram posts. Great. Don't. Do long-form storytelling and mentorship. Have a conversation with somebody that you resonate with and record that and turn it into a piece of content. Better still, do our done-for-you service and we'll record it for you and turn it into a podcast. Yep, absolutely. Um, it works. That's all I can say at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. He's been doing it for six years. I've been doing it for the last two. It just works. There's no two ways around it. Um, so if you want to know more, drop us an email, go visit our website, fill up the form. Um, this is Partha Srinivasan signing off for Billionaires and Boxers. Thank you very much, Phil, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Nice to be here, guys. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Ciao. Hello, my name is Marie Diamond. I'm one of the stars of The Secret. I'm a big fan of Billionaires and Boxers. Watch their interviews. It is amazing and you will learn a lot of new things to improve your life. This is a Billionaires in Boxers production.